eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. What's going to happen tonight? What's going to happen? We're going to whoop their Have you gotten drama yet? Morning. Afternoon. Evening. Brunch time. Lunch time. One versus two time. One versus two time. Again, let's say that again. One versus two time. Is there anything else that we need to say time? Whatever time of day it is, boys and girls. It's the right time for the Go Vols 24-7 podcast. West Rucker coming to you from Fort Rucker Studio here on a pleasant, I would say, pleasant Halloween afternoon. So uh, trick or treat. Hope everything goes well tonight. Hope everything in your life is great. Hope you have a nice Halloween costume. I hope that uh, you get to take the kids out if you have them uh, to get to get candy. If you're someone giving candy to people, you know, don't put razor blades and stuff in it. Just uh, just be good to each other. And don't be the person who hands out like healthy stuff. No one no one likes that person. No one likes that person. I, I know that your heart's in the right place, but this this isn't the day for for nutrition, everybody. And coming from me, I'm a diet expert, so you should understand that. Coming to you from Fort Rucker Studio, which is just two miles away from Neyland Stadium, which obviously is not where Tennessee will play football this week. The Vols are going down between the hedges to Sanford Stadium in lovely Athens, Georgia, to take on the top-ranked Georgia Bulldogs, the defending national champion Georgia Bulldogs. Uh, And then the Vols have a number two ranking in the Associated Press polls going down there. We have a lot to discuss this week. We will have a lot of fun this week. Uh, it'll be a lot of work. It'll be a lot of fun, though, uh, because this is why we are in this business. This is why y'all are fans. This is why kids go to play football at Tennessee and Georgia and places of that caliber for games like this. This will be just the 25th time in history in the regular season that the top two teams in the AP poll face each other. So big, big deal. And to talk about that, we'll go on over to the Home Daycare Center of Ryan Callahan. And, of course, we'll go down to Ben McKee's house, which I still – I'm getting lots of people with 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 suggestions. Haven't found one that fits just perfectly yet. Um, it's, it's taken a while now. It's officially a thing. It's a capital T thing that we haven't named it yet. But regardless, fellas, how are we today? I'm great. And and as I have said, Ryan, I, I think I need to, to, to steal Ryan's uh, name for, for the location because I, I am – Daddy daycaring over here as as well. So uh, Ben's home daycare center might might need to be what it is or, or some form uh, of that name. But I'm I'm great, like you said, Wes. You said it perfectly. Number one versus number two doesn't happen 
very often, and uh, th- this is why we do what we do. We like talking about fun matchups. We, we don't like talking about coaches getting fired like Auburn is today or uh, talking about players being dismissed from the team like Florida is today. We prefer to cover fun teams and, and teams that are good. So th- this is a fun one. It, it, it's a big one. It, it's a playoff game. It's as simple as that. It's, it really is. And, uh, yeah, I'm doing well. It's, uh, it, it, it really is weird. I mean, you know, national media are already in Knoxville uh, today, you know, covering the buildup to this game. It just – it's not the type of thing you expected to see at Tennessee – anytime that soon if I'm being honest I mean going into this season we thought Tennessee might have a nice season a a step forward season you know maybe if things went well kind of a breakthrough season but even that we thought looked like more like and and the season's not over yet but looked like maybe 10 and 2 is the ceiling but in most of those assumptions it was including losses to Alabama and Georgia and now here we are and Tennessee has not only already beaten Alabama but is now going to Georgia and a lot of people think they, they might be the number one team in the college football playoff rankings when they debut Tuesday night. So it's just wild that we're in this situation and that college football, which doesn't give you many one versus two matchups at all, looks like Tennessee is going to be in one of those one versus two matchups this weekend and well already is in the AP poll and could be in the playoff rankings as well. So it's just, it's wild. The whole thing is, is just hard to believe in a way, but uh, now that we've seen it for weeks, it's also not hard to believe because this Tennessee team has just shown that it's, it's just really good. Yeah, and, and I think we talked about this Saturday that for the first time all season, and I think we've already made our decision, but for the first time in our existence as a website, we have to decide which rankings to use now because traditionally, you know, we're old newspaper people, just about all of us, so you go by the AP poll. That's just the fallback, like you go by the AP poll. However, the college football playoff poll is the one that matters, so I think as soon as those playoff rankings come out, those are the rankings we probably use the rest of the season because at the end of the day, those are the ones that are relevant. Those are the ones that matter the most. So I think we kind of we kind of have to go by those, I think. So we, we might be saying number one Tennessee versus number three Georgia or number one Tennessee versus number two Georgia because I think, I don't know, I think Tennessee will be number one when the playoff rankings come out because if you're basing it on resume – there is zero question who has the best resume in college football right now. It is Tennessee. Uh, yeah, I know. So, Georgia, Georgia, people, has, Georgia has one win over a ranked team so far. Uh, Tennessee has, at the time, five. And Tennessee's strength of schedule is significantly better. And Tennessee has beaten Alabama. Tennessee, in my opinion, you could make an argument for Ohio State. You could make an argument for Georgia. But you would be going on reputation, not resume. Because blind resume, in my opinion, there's no question. Yeah, I was going to say that's the 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 outside possibility that this isn't a one versus two matchup is maybe like you're saying that that Tennessee is one and Georgia's three. Now, I don't think that's likely, but there is some talk out there of people thinking Ohio State's got a, a pretty strong resume on paper that might uh, that that might give them a chance, uh, even though they haven't been tested the way Tennessee has, uh, and, and Georgia has been. You know, less convincing in a couple games. You had the the Kent State game where where they didn't get many style points, and then Missouri. Obviously, they struggled with them. So you could see that as on paper justification for not having Georgia at the top. I still think the most likely outcome is that Georgia and Tennessee are one two, but that'll that'll be fascinating because I you could see the case for saying, hey, Georgia's the defending national champion and they're still undefeated. So let's 
they're they're playing this weekend. Let's let them sort it out. But for Georgia to be number one, but that's not supposed to matter, right? Aren't they supposed to go by resume? Yeah, and and so if it's if it's truly about resumes, I mean, I think you you would have a hard time arguing against Tennessee being the number one team in the country in the playoff rankings, which is just it's it's wild. But that's that's where we are. And I think if you're just basing it on objective evidence, what we see on paper so far, I, I think I think I would probably go with. With Tennessee one, Georgia two, but but yeah, maybe there's a, a chance it's Tennessee one, Ohio State two, and Georgia three. The reason why yeah, the, t- go, go ahead, Ben, go ahead. Tennessee should be the number one team in the country uh, Tuesday night in, in relation to the uh, college football playoff announcement uh, or rankings uh, that will debut, and I guess we'll have to go off of those rankings because I, I know the televisions do, and uh, yeah, that's a, a little bit different of a gig than. That we have, but the televisions do adjust their rankings when the college football playoff rankings begin begin to come out. They they have in the last couple of years at at least. So if it, it'll be funny if uh, if Tennessee's two in the AP poll and Georgia's one, but then on Tuesday night in the playoff rankings, Tennessee is one and Georgia is two because then I think CBS will show that Tennessee is number one and Georgia is number two because that that's just what they have done the last couple of of years and, and I'm all for the college football playoff rankings that being what we go by. I, I think the AP poll is just a, a ridiculous practice that that uh, kind of needs to go away. I or, still love the AP poll even though you have guys I love the who, AP who, poll. I hate the people that vote for the AP poll. The, I hate the, the coaches are, poll. I hate the coaches hate the poll coach. much more. No, but if, if you call that the SID poll cuz that's what the coaches poll is. Yeah, I was going to say the, 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 the is, coaches poll is the SID picking the is the coach picking the first four or five teams and the SID doing the rest. The the coaches take the starting poll and they just adjust for wins and losses. They don't actually put enough thought into it most of them unfortunately, and it's not reactive enough to what's actually happening on the field. The AP poll is willing to make a move like Tennessee tying Ohio State at number 2 this week based on Ohio State not winning as many style points against Penn State. So uh, the AP poll, I, yeah, I, I agree. that they, they both have their infuriating moments and things that they'll do, outliers in the AP poll voting that, that always get fans uh, ho- fired ho- up about. Homeboy from South Bend is struggling, man. I'm just going to call yeah. it what it is. Homeboy from South Bend, <laughs> that guy, I mean, I, I – I, he, he is why the logic AP is, poll needs to be reconsidered. He, well, he is I, why the AP poll – I'm I, not saying the AP poll needs to go away, but – Either I can, tone down how many people vote on it, tone down the the curriculum or, or create a curriculum for how you vote on teams. Something has to change because well, th- there are some crazy out there, crazies out there that, that Wes is alluding to that don't need to be voting. And that's why I don't take the AP poll seriously. And, that, and I'm, not, I'm not a believer that someone can take a victory lap after the fact. Like let's say Tennessee loses a couple times by the end of the season. That doesn't change the fact that at the time – that poll makes absolutely no sense. But but regardless, the, the reason why I'm saying that, that it matters, and we might have to have a breaking news podcast Tuesday night w- when the rankings come out. We might have to do that because I think it's, a, it's, it's important, not because anytime Tennessee gets the number one in football, it's a big deal. That's obviously well and truly understood. The issue is, is if Tennessee is number one in that first playoff poll, it becomes significantly harder for Tennessee to go out of the top four unless it loses twice, in my opinion. Like, Tennessee would have to go lose to Georgia by, like, 30 points in order to really get knocked out of that conversation because you are establishing at that point that Tennessee, with one loss, will be near the top of the mountain with one-loss teams when it comes time to picking that fourth slot at the end of the day. 
And that's if Tennessee loses this game, which is not, which is not a given by any stretch of the imagination. Um, but if Tennessee loses this game and it's relatively competitive, you're going to have a hard time later in the year like bumping a TCU over them or bumping, you know, whoever loses the Ohio State-Michigan game over them because you're, you're, you're not – it just becomes difficult to do that. Now, then you got the doomsday scenario where if Alabama runs the table from here on out and Georgia beats Tennessee in this game, that's the doomsday scenario where you're probably not going to put three SEC teams in it. You're probably just not going to do it. So I think we all know what happens in that situation. Call it what it is. Tennessee's on the outside looking in, most likely if that happens because that's just the way life goes. But failing that, a one-loss Tennessee team, that's why that's why Tuesday night matters so much to me anyway. Yeah, I, I, it's an interesting discussion. I, I don't know what they'll do. It, and, and obviously the, the margin of this game could be really important. I mean, that, that's, that's what's so fascinating about this game is you know one team's going to lose, but the loser is still going to be in the playoff discussion 100%. Yes. And, and so the – the, this is a game where if I don't know that this is likely to happen, I would say it's unlikely to happen. But if you're if you're up 17 in the final minutes of this game, the other team might want to be scrambling for a garbage time touchdown to make it 10 at the end. And I mean, the, this and is the one, other team might want to be scrambling to make it 24. Yeah, absolutely. This is a game where style points really might matter a lot, uh, as much as who wins, because. Uh, yeah, there's a scenario where this is a close game and both teams make the playoff. Uh, and then there's a, a scenario where, you know, the, the the team that loses ends up in the playoff with Alabama because Alabama knocks out the other one in the in the SEC championship game uh, by, by winning by double digits or something. I, I don't know. It's going to be an, uh, a fascinating debate that people are going to start having the minute this game is over. And really, they've already started having, uh, you know, what's going to happen if all three of those teams are, are at one loss <laughs> after the SEC championship game. But Plenty of time to sort that out, but yeah, it's it's one of the things I'm watching in this game is, you know, t- Tennessee with their offense, maybe they're capable of going on the road and winning by ten or, or fourteen or, or more. And Georgia, the way they've played, who knows? Maybe they shut down Tennessee, and this is this is a, the first team to really figure out this offense. And Georgia wins by double digits. But yeah, style points really could matter because it's going to be a tight race for that fourth and final playoff spot in a lot of different scenarios, and that's that really could play into it in the end. As I said earlier, this is this is a bona fide playoff game uh, because this this is one that I, I think the winner is in the the playoffs, uh, regardless of, of what happens in Atlanta. And, and obviously, that is me assuming that Tennessee goes on to beat Missouri and South Carolina and and Vanderbilt. But hey, I don't play on the team. I, I don't have an impact on on whether Tennessee wins or loses. So I am allowed to look ahead and assume that Tennessee is going to beat those teams because. They should beat those teams. This Tennessee offense should should not even come close to barely beating Missouri, South Carolina, and, and Vanderbilt. So, uh, to to me, the the winner of this game and and forgive me, I, I don't know the back end of of Georgia's schedule all that well. I think there's one interesting uh, matchup uh, along the way. Wes is looking at their schedule right now. Yeah, uh, there, I want to say like a Mississippi State. Yeah, they've got. They actually have to go to Mississippi State. And two Kentucky in back-to-back weeks late in the season. Yes, and that that is far more interesting than than what Tennessee has the rest of the way. So, uh, at least from Tennessee's perspective, I'm willing to to go ahead and assume that Tennessee is in the college football playoffs if they beat Georgia uh, this weekend. Uh, again, I don't play on the team. I don't have to worry about looking ahead. That that's on the coaches and players to to not get caught slipping against three 
uh, bad football teams. And that's how significant of a game it is this weekend. It, it's a playoff game to go to the playoffs. Because I think if you're, you're Tennessee and you beat Georgia, I don't think it matters what happens in Atlanta. Uh, the, the committee, if you lose the SEC championship game to whoever, I just don't see a scenario where a 12-1 and Tennessee team that beat Alabama, beat LSU on the road, beat Georgia on the road, and had other top 25 wins at the time that they played those teams, that, that resume is not being left out of the, the yeah, playoffs, and, and, in, in and, my opinion. Yeah, and you're right about that. Even if Georgia would only have one loss at that point, at that point, Tennessee would have gone to Athens and beaten Georgia, so the defending champion thing goes out the window. You cannot, under any circumstances, if Tennessee wins this game and then only loses once the rest of the way, Tennessee is in the playoff without any question in my mind. And that's just that, that's a that's a fact, I think. Yes, and that's why I say it's a playoff game because I think if I think if you win this and you take care of the rest of the games on your schedule, you're going to the playoffs regardless of what happens in Atlanta. And and I kind of tweeted on Monday morning like. Let's hold off on the, the the playoff conversation if Tennessee uh, were to lose. Let, let, let's wait and see if Tennessee does lose before discussing the, these different circumstances because of what I just said. Because at the end of the day, Tennessee controls its own destiny. Yeah, if just, Tennessee goes out and beats Georgia this Saturday, they're in. Yeah, I just want hey, to I'll, I'll throw I, this. No, I just, the only thing I want to say, and I'll say it in five seconds, I wanted to say it today because the rankings come out tomorrow. That's the reason why I wanted to say it today. But go on. Well, I was just going to say, Ben, what, the only thing I've wondered about is what if this game's really close? Say Tennessee wins by three and it's down to the final play or something. And then in the SEC championship, like we've seen before, Alabama comes back stronger and say they beat Tennessee by double digits. Doesn't matter. Do you think it doesn't matter? I mean, I no. don't know. It's, it's, a, it's Tennessee, a fair ten, ten, question. No, 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 no. I don't think it's a fair question because Tennessee went to Georgia during the season and beat Georgia. I hear you. And Tennessee but, won the division that Georgia was in. No question. At but that point, you don't you think people would it. then – but you don't think people would then look at it and say, Georgia well – Georgia beats Tennessee this weekend. No, no. I'm saying Tennessee wins, makes the SEC title game undefeated, and then loses to Alabama by, oh, say, yeah. 20. Doesn't matter. No, I'm with Doesn't West. matter? And le- unless Hendon Hooker West. gets hurt. If Hinton Hooker gets hurt, you right. can have that conversation. But if 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 if, if Hinton Hooker's fine, no, you can't you can't do that. I don't think because I mean that, that, that would be people, that would be like riding in the streets bad. They can't do that. Well, the, then you might have people splitting hairs though and saying, "Hey, Alabama should have beaten Tennessee. They just missed a field goal, and Tennessee barely beat Georgia in one game. If they played again, who knows what happened then? And Georgia's the defending national champion, and they they lost one game by one play or whatever. You know, they, they would just. I think there would be some some people who would think of it that way, but may, maybe I'm wrong. I mean, maybe maybe people there, would be there on would board. be, but they'd be all Georgia and Alabama fans. So those are the <laughs> they might that would, be that would have I, that thought process. I just there, there's just there's no that, way in you know what that a, a 12 and 0 regular season Tennessee team that beat LSU and Georgia on the road, beat Alabama at home, had top 25 wins over Kentucky, Florida, and Pittsburgh at the time. No way that that resume should ever, and, and it's not even a Tennessee thing. No team that ever has that type of resume should be left out of the playoffs. I agree Probably not. That. I just, I just, it'll be. A, it, I mean, the, again, here we are, but the game hasn't even been played. I think this will start <laughs> absolutely in earnest after Saturday because it's going to be on the table for whoever loses, and I, I think it'll be a, it, it'll be debated endlessly until Alabama loses a second game. But I, I think it's something that we've absolutely got to consider because Alabama's done this before, and uh, I'm not counting them out. The way their defense bounced back against Mississippi State, I. I fully expect that scenario to be in play, you, so we're going to have an interesting few weeks. Now, I think he, the only reason you can make that argument is if this game was in Neyland Stadium. 
in that in that scenario that you yeah. just mentioned, if the game was in Knoxville, maybe maybe you can make that argument. I still wouldn't do it, and I still think anyone who would do it would be maliciously wrong. Not just wrong, but like intentionally maliciously wrong. However, if the game since this game is in Athens, there's no argument. You go to their backyard and you beat them. There's no question. There's no argument I, to be had there. None. I still wonder if three SEC teams can get in. If there's ever a year it could be justified, it could be this one. If enough teams around them lose. I'm not, not saying it not will when, happen or should. Not when you Ohio State and Michigan, buddy. How long have you been around? Uh, you know college football, man. Ohio State and Michigan both in consideration. Dude, dude, dude. I hear you, but what? I mean, one of those teams is going to lose, obviously, and not play for the Big Ten championship, and it might not be that close. If that's a close game, if that's a close if game, it's a close. they're going to find a freaking way. If that's a close game, they are absolutely yeah. going to find a way. Because if it's that's, close, that's, that's a big, yeah, that's, big if. But yeah. I, but I, yeah, that that'll be. I mean, all all that's fascinating though. I, I I can't wait to see how all that plays out because I, I think that is there's going to be some drama if if these teams all do what I think they might down the stretch because I still think Alabama is very good. I still think Georgia is is win or lose Saturday very good and Tennessee obviously has shown they can outscore anybody. So I, I this is going to be a fun stretch run no matter what happens Saturday. But hey, let's. Let's get round one going. I'm ready for Saturday. This is going to be a fun game. Yeah, and after we come back from break, I'm going to ask both of y'all a question that I think will set the tone very nicely for this week. I might be wrong. I might be overestimating it, but I think it's probably – it's a thought that's popped into my head that I think is maybe one of the underlying stories of the week, one of the more important ones. So, uh, But let's go to break first. Let's step away for a second, pay some bills, listen to products, services, in-house ads, etc., and then we'll come right back here on the Go Balls 24-7 podcast. Hashtag ad money. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Knowing how to speak and understand a new language can be an invaluable tool when traveling, meeting new friends, or just even to master a new skill. But it's not always simple when you're bogged down by textbooks and structure classes. That's why so many people trust Rosetta Stone. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program available on desktop or as an app. It truly immerses you in the language you want to learn, like Spanish, French, Italian, Chinese, and more. You won't just be studying English translations. The Rosetta Stone intuitive process helps you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com rs10. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com rs10 today. Welcome back to the Go Balls 24-7 podcast brought to you by whatever products, services, and in-house ads you just heard a moment ago during that commercial break. Wes Rucker coming to you from Fort Rucker Studio. Ben McKee coming to you from Ben McKee's house. Ryan Callahan coming to you from his home daycare center there on the other side of town. We're talking Tennessee football, obviously, in this episode, although we could have still need to mention. By the way, Tennessee basketball beat the ever-living you-know-what out of Gonzaga, which is an exhibition game. 
but Gonzaga threw its best punch out there. So still an interesting, interesting discussion that we will have to pick up at some point, and we will. I also should say this podcast is brought to you by um, uh, painkillers, which are allowing me to move my back just enough to get up and sit here in this chair and do this podcast today because it has been a struggle the past few days. So thank you, drugs. I just wanted to say that. Thank you. Thank you, drugs. You're probably not sponsoring this podcast because I don't think there's ever a commercial for like, this is brought to you by drugs. But I just wanted to say that today. We got a lot more to discuss, and we're going to do that. Before we do that, though, just a quick uh, quick request from our end, if you will. You can take about a minute out of your day right now. Let's say 60, 75, 90 seconds out of your day right now and go in there and subscribe to this podcast and rate and review this podcast, we really would appreciate it. If, if you're just listening on the website, we love you. There's nothing wrong with that. No wrong way to consume this Go Vols 24-7 podcast. You can still be in our circle of trust. You can still be in our, in our tree of trust. That's no problem. But what helps us out the most is if you go on there on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, Google Podcasts, iHeart, TuneIn, Stitcher, anywhere in the world you can cast the fine pod. You can find this Go Vols 24-7 podcast. We do this for free. We're happy to do it. It's a labor of love. Very, very few complaints from our end. You never want to say no complaints because life is life, but very few complaints from our end. However, uh, since we're doing this for free, I don't think it's too much to ask to go in there, rate, review, especially subscribe, uh, subscribe, rate, review, and talk to your friends. Tell friends, tell people that you see at church, tell people that you see walking your dog, tell people you see at the game, tell people you see at the tailgate, tell people you see at the grocery store. It, just people, if you, you see someone walking by you and they're wearing orange, and they're wearing a Tennessee shirt, or maybe it's smoky gray, maybe it's dark mode, I don't know, whatever it is. But if you see that power tee, tell someone, hey, man, I love the Vols, you love the Vols, so why don't you go ahead and listen to the Go Vols 24-7 podcast? You might meet your new best friend, you might meet uh, your new spouse, that, that person could have a sibling that you end up having as a spouse. We could change your life forever if you just help us out for just a second. So I think it's a pretty good deal for you. And if somebody says, nah, man, screw you. I don't want to listen to those guys. Who cares? You've wasted five seconds of your life for the potential. Think about the risk versus reward on this. Do the cost-benefit analysis on this. You should do this. So if you're already doing all those things, thank you. We love you. If not... I award you no points, and may God have mercy on your soul. Back to business, fellas. I have a question that I think, or, or a thought, that I think could generate some discussion here. And you are more than happy, more than welcome to say, that's dumb. Don't say that. Let's move on. But I think it's interesting because I still think when people who are not Tennessee fans, who don't actively watch this team, I think people think, I think everybody thinks this is a highly ranked team they want to play until they actually play it. Because I think this team, what it's doing, the way that it plays is an absolute nightmare. It's really, even though Tennessee's defense isn't great, it's a nightmare in that way because they're attacking you all day long. Might not get there, but they're attacking you. They're relentless. And everybody knows offensively how much damage they can do. I think people think of Tennessee for the past 12, 15 years, and they think, this is the team I'd want to play. I'd rather play Tennessee than Georgia or Alabama or Ohio State. But at the end of the day, I don't think that's the case. I think you're going to think you want to play them until the ball kicks off, and I think that is what people are missing sometimes about this team. Am I crazy for thinking that? I don't think so. I, I think you're pretty spot on um, because Tennessee's offense is infuriating to play. <laughs> uh, and the defense is getting better, it seems, week to week. So Tennessee is a, a very frustrating team to play, not only because they have awesome football players on offense, Hayden Hooker, Cedric Tillman, Jalen Hyatt, Brew McCoy, 
Jabari Small, Jalen Wright, Darnell Wright, the rest of the offensive line, the tight ends. Uh, they're not the, the first people you mentioned, but they're capable of making plays. Jacob Warren almost had a touchdown against Kentucky. We've seen Princeton Fant rush for four touchdowns in the last three games and throw an absolute bomb to Jalen Hyatt for a 66-yard touchdown. So uh, it's not just that Tennessee has good offensive football players. It's the scheme as well. The, the tempo is infuriating. And now they're running a bunch of wrinkles off of the tempo because they feel comfortable with their personnel. And I mentioned it on the podcast in a joking manner on Saturday after the game, Wes, when it was you, uh, myself, and Patrick. Go go look at the clip that was going around social media on Saturday of all the coaches blowing up and just losing their minds. And it was at the refs, but I think it was also brought on by having to face this Tennessee offense. Billy Napier loses his mind when Tennessee is on the field offensively. Nick Saban lost his mind because of the guy touching the punt, but I, I feel like Saban was also aware that you, you can't do those type of things and beat this offense. And, and then Mark Stoops as well, losing his mind. It, it was a funny clip, and, and the tweet was like, this is what it's like to, to coach against Tennessee each week. And, and I really think that there's something to that, although it was brought up in, in a joking manner. So I, I think you're spot on, Wes. And I, I think Kirby Smart also recognizes – all of the challenges that, that Tennessee is going to present this weekend, I think he realizes it because he got a little bit of the taste of that medicine last year when, when Tennessee was able to throw some early haymakers against Georgia. They just weren't able to, to finish out that football game. And then now he's also seen how much that same offense has progressed and how the defense has progressed in, in certain areas. And I think he understands the magnitude of this challenge. And also, this Georgia team is good. They're not what they were last year. Last year was an all-time historic team in the conversation for best college football team ever. It might have been the best college football team ever. This team is not that. It's good, but it's not that. They they are much more gettable. Uh, To me, there's a similar feeling to the Alabama game where it felt like Alabama was due for a loss. To me, it feels like Georgia is due for a loss with with some of the clunkers that they put together over the last month, month and a half. Uh, and also, even last week, this past Saturday against Florida, kind of letting Florida creep back in late third quarter. They, they did pull away, and they deserve credit for that. But I, I just don't know that Georgia is playing real cohesive team football like a Tennessee is at the moment. It, it feels like it's more their recruiting is winning games for them, whereas it may feel like Tennessee is the better overall team, although Georgia has more talent on its side. So I, I think you're spot on. I think it's maddening to coach against this Tennessee team. And, and I think Kirby recognize, recognizes that based off the tone of uh, his early press conferences in the week. And I think you could tell it by Kirby Smart's tweet on Sunday night. That, to me, reeked of a guy who you know spent Sunday morning recruiting and doing some stuff and then goes to church and then does some stuff like with the, the family and everything. And then he hunkers down and starts to watch film. And then as soon as he's done watching film, he tweets out, hey, by the way, I need y'all to be the loudest you've ever been in your lives this weekend, this, this coming game. I, to me, that's what that felt like. Uh, maybe. I mean, it, part of that's just it's a one versus two matchup, right? I mean, it, you you obviously assume you're going to be in for a big test. I, I didn't sense that as like a panicky, oh, my gosh, we need the crowd no, I didn't now. Think, no, be. I think it was a panicky. I think it was a realization that um, he watched that offense and watched some of the stuff they've been doing and watched the defense and then went, let's be loud this week. 
Yeah, I mean, it, it, it struck me as it's Sunday. It's now Tennessee week, so now I can say this. But you know, it could be either way. But but I was going to say, the only, the only part of what you said first, that I, I mostly agree that they are a, a frustrating team to face. I, I would disagree on that coaches may or people maybe at first think Tennessee would would not be as as tough of a team to play or however how you said that uh that, that maybe on the surface you would like to play them uh because I think they're very fast becoming and maybe already have become a team that nobody wants to play uh I think the the perception of this has changed significantly in the past three weeks or so I'm not I think I, after I, the I'm not sure man go on I want to hear your I think, point I think after the LSU game somewhere around that time people would have said that's a highly ranked team but they're going to lose some games eventually they're going somebody's still going to beat them um and now i think after they beat alabama and and did to kentucky what they just did which not that kentucky's a world beater by any means but to to just to to not allow a touchdown after the first quarter of that game for their defense to to show signs of rounding into form and for them to do that without some guys in the secondary at that um, and, and for their offense to have continued playing so well without Cedric Tillman, and then they, they slide him back in, and it's, you know business as usual, and, and and we'll see, you know, if he looks if they look even better once he's really back to full strength this week against Georgia. But I, I think now people are looking at Tennessee as, oh my goodness, just what they do is so different from from so many teams. Even with with teams today running more wide open systems, spreading the field more, you know, even Alabama spreads the field these days. You know, it's not. It's not, it's not the era of teams trying to line up in the I formation and run it at you. Um, so even with teams doing that, what Tennessee does is just so different, and they're clearly doing it well against everybody they face. I think even if you thought you could beat Tennessee at this point, they're just such a, a tough matchup for everybody that you don't want to have to deal with it. Uh, they're so fast. They're so, uh, they're so versatile, really, with what they can do. Um, and, and what they did, I, I thought the most – uh, maybe the most infuriating sequence for Kentucky on Saturday was probably when, when Hendon Hooker kept it on third down, got stopped about a yard and a half short of the first down. I was going back and watching that on, on tape earlier and uh, seeing seeing them just rush to the line. Like they didn't even have to bring bring much attention to it. Everyone just like knew what to do. Hendon Hooker like said something to one person, and the next thing you know, everybody's lining up and, and getting to the ball quickly. Kentucky wasn't even ready, and he sneaks it and picks up two yards and moves the chains. And stuff like that that Tennessee can do that other teams don't, it's just hard to prepare for that, and you can't in one week. So I think it's gotten to the point where no one wants to face Tennessee. I could be wrong about that, but I, I don't get the sense Kirby Smart or anybody is licking their chops when they see Tennessee on the schedule. I think at this point, that's the team nobody wants anything to do with because they're doing this to everybody now. Oh, no, my, my point was fans. I think coaches watch film and know this stuff. I, I just think the general impression that I see with with some uh, even some media, but but really more so fans who just have, you know, you think you want to go play. Like, look at last week, how many Kentucky fans were just convinced that at the end of the day, Tennessee wasn't tough, that wasn't real football, and the way they played was going to just, you know, kind of be different for Tennessee and a physical challenge for Tennessee, where some of us said the entire week and for months, Tennessee's better up front. Tennessee's better at what Kentucky does than Kentucky is. And then Tennessee can also do all the other stuff that Kentucky can't do. So that to me, there was never any question about how that. I don't think any of us thought it would be like by that many points, but in, in general, like the way that game went, I, I mean, I'm not. No one should be surprised by that, but a lot of people seem to be surprised by that. And I get the sense from from some Georgia, you know, fans, things that I've seen, and even some media being like, well, you know, the Tennessee's, you know, the, this Cinderella ride kind of takes a speed bump this week, and I, I, I don't. I think those people have not have clearly not watched a lot of the games or understood what they were watching. 
Well, so there, there's maybe one fan base I think that is still maybe thinking Tennessee is is uh, is th- that there's some flukiness to it or that they can be stopped. I bet that's Ohio State. I think Ohio State fans aren't scared of Tennessee because they think they can score a lot of points on anybody too. That's the team. Um, that's, and, that's that's the team I'd least want Tennessee to play. By the way, if yeah, I were a Tennessee yeah, that's fan. that's not a bad uh, not, not a bad thought there because Ohio State has put up a lot of points against uh, pretty much everybody it's faced too and and. You know, found a way to to win against Penn State this past week and, and pull away late. So, uh, yeah, there, there's something to that. And so, I bet Ohio State fans aren't scared, but I think there are a lot of maybe nervous Georgia fans a little bit this week. I mean, I think they're confident because they're the they're the defending national champions. But I think you know, deep down, and some and some maybe not even deep down, I think there's some serious concern about uh, about Georgia facing this Tennessee team now because of what just what that offense can do, and now the defense looking a little bit better and. Uh, I mean, hey, that that run defense has been pretty good all year. Um, so we'll we'll see how it how it stacks up against Georgia. But I just I, I don't know. I think the word is has gotten out about Tennessee, and there's you know there's this they're kind of the national darling almost too because it's been so long since Tennessee was in this discussion. Uh, a lot of fans across the country are you know not necessarily jumping on the bandwagon, but they're they're happy to see Tennessee doing well, and that's uh, that's an odd position for Tennessee fans to be in now, knowing that other people around the country are kind of cheering for them. They're used to kind of being the uh, the, the public enemy with all the you know the, the 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 reaction to you know Shiano Sunday and all these things. You know, Tennessee fans have kind of been uh, looked look down upon. I think they feel like for years, and now they're not used to being the the national favorite. But I think there is some of that sentiment now. It's because of the way they play and the fact that it's been a while since they've done this. But I, I do think they're. I think a lot of people out there are are aware of the fact that Tennessee is just a, a very good team, and they're starting to 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 maybe even get better uh, and become more well rounded with what the defense did Saturday. Shifting gears a, a little bit, I, I voiced my opinion on Saturday that I that I feel good about Tennessee going into to this game. I, I really do, and and the more I've I thought about it early in the week, still trying to put a bow on on the Kentucky game, so I haven't completely shifted to Georgia and, and kind of. Uh, studying them, but I I continue to to feel confident and feel good about Tennessee's chances going into this game. Uh, I, I was leaning towards picking Tennessee on Saturday. Uh, people could tell that if, if they listened to the post game pod on, on Saturday night, and, and I still feel the same way. I I think there are matchups just like the Alabama game that that Tennessee can can take advantage of, uh, and, and I think the the nine and a half points that I saw. Um, in terms of the spread, what Georgia opened as uh, being a nine, nine and a half point favorite. I think that's too many points. I, I do. I think that uh, this is a, a Tennessee team very capable of going to Athens and, and beating this Georgia football team. I, I've all season long been kind of waiting on, on the other shoot a drop just because Josh Heupel should not be having this much success this quickly. He just shouldn't. It, it's silly. It doesn't make sense. It is out of the norm, um, considering where Tennessee was when he took the job, considering where they are today on Halloween. It doesn't make sense that they're playing in a playoff game. That's what they're doing this weekend. They're playing in a playoff game. And so I've been waiting on the other shoe to drop all year long. Um, I picked Alabama to beat Tennessee. I wasn't as gung-ho on, on Tennessee blowing Kentucky out of the water as others were. But this is the week where I'm finally putting all of my chips into the Tennessee basket. So if Tennessee loses to Georgia, everybody can blame me. Um, but, I, again, I, I feel good about this matchup. I think this this is a game that Tennessee can absolutely win. Doesn't mean that they, that, that they will win, but I, I think Tennessee can exploit some things with 
uh, a Georgia secondary that is inexperienced. Uh, their best pass rusher, Nolan Smith, he, he's very doubtful to play. Tennessee's offensive line is, is already playing at a really high level. Uh, Darnell Wright is now being thrown into the conversation for, for possibly the first tackle off of the board in the NFL draft. And the rest of the offensive line is, is playing well. They, they run the ball. Uh, and, and again, Stetson Bennett, he, he's a very capable college quarterback, but he, he's made a lot of passes of late that have been turnover worthy. He's not a turnover machine like a, a Will Levis, but he's, he's been throwing some dangerous passes lately. And I, I don't think that this is a game where, where you can necessarily do that. Not that Tennessee's defense is a juggernaut, but they're, they're playing well. They're, they're playing with confidence. And, and those almost interceptions against poor teams always seem to turn into surefire interceptions against good teams. So uh, I feel good about this matchup for, for Tennessee's sake, and it'll be a fun one. I, I think it's going to be another classic like we saw with Tennessee and Alabama. I, I would be surprised if, if either team got blown out. Yeah, I, I think that's probably a fair a fair way to put it. I, I think, and I've written this so many times and said it so many times, but I still find myself struggling sometimes to comprehend exactly what it is we're seeing. Because you have to throw out notions that you've developed and that have been hardened over the past several years, which is that any coach who comes in here, it's going to be a long time before they're before they're ready to be having a team that's legitimately a national title contender or even an SEC title contender. Of course, if you're an SEC title contender, you are a national title contender. But but I, I it's just when they keep doing what they're doing in terms of. No Cedric Tillman, no problem. Uh, your left tackle goes out for a few games, no problem. You lose your three best cornerbacks, no problem. Just plug in. Plug in Danico Slaughter, who I didn't even know could play cornerback. Patrick did, credit to Pat. I did not remember that. I didn't think he could do it. He goes out there and for, he had, forces one interception and then gets one of his own. I, Brandon Turnage had, was on a milk carton for a long time. He's off of it, comes back, gets a pick, plays really well. Um, I, I, you know, as many questions as we all have about Will Levis, Tennessee held him to 98 passing yards and picked him off three times without having its three best cornerbacks available for the game. They just keep finding ways like Darnell Wright has become the player that everybody thought he would be out of high school. And for the past couple of years, I questioned whether he could ever be, they're just doing things they're doing things that really only culture can explain in terms of plugging in, moving on. Like they're doing things that I would think a team would need to win for two or three years or start steadily building up to it. It's like a shock to the system that they're doing it this quickly. And maybe I'm the only one who thinks that and that'd be fine. But it's just to me, it's just getting difficult to wrap the brain around what it is they're doing. Yeah. I, I'm I'm with you. Um, I I think that, and we've talked about this steadily over the last couple of weeks in terms of I think people are finally starting to realize that this Tennessee offense just isn't predicated off the tempo. I think that was everybody's perception <laughs> last year that the only reason that Tennessee's able to to have success offensively is because of the tempo. It it just catches everybody off off guard, and, and obviously that plays a key role, right? The, the tempo is not something that that you see from from really anybody, at least at the 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 
the pace that Tennessee is using the tempo. But this year, you're seeing more of just how great Heupel and Alex Golish, uh, Glenn Ellerby, Joey Halsley, Kelsey Pope, like how how great they are X's and O's wise as well. It's it's not just the tempo. They're, they're doing sly little things here and there that are getting guys open. Obviously, Jalen Hyatt has world class speed, but they're, they're used, they recognize that. And I believe this Chris B. Brown, uh, if I'm not mistaken, that explained this on, on Twitter over the weekend. But when, when Hyatt is the, the bat guy, when they're stacked out wide, he's just coming off of the line of scrimmage. Uh, a half second to a whole second later than the guy he's lined up behind, which forces the the corner to take the first guy that is releasing off of the line of scrimmage, which then matches Hyatt on the safety. And Hyatt's just going to run past the safety 10 out of 10 times. At that point, it's it's just the, the, the safety's beat at birth. He doesn't have the speed that Hyatt has. So it's those little itty-bitty details that, even myself, I don't claim to know football at an expert level, but when you hear these things explained, it makes sense. And you're seeing more intricacies and and details that they're they're adding to the offense to continue to get these guys wide open. It's not just the tempo that is forcing defenses to be confused, and that's why they're leaving guys open. We saw that at Alabama last year. Uh, we saw that at Kentucky last year to start the game. This year, teams are ready for the tempo. They know it's coming, and they're still leaving guys wide open, which tells you that they are doing little things within their routes, little things with the, the formations that are getting these guys open. And one thing that I've noticed that they've done more of this year is using guys in motion, whether it's Jalen Hyatt, whether it's the tight ends, mm-hmm. whether it's the backs. They're using a lot more motion to confuse the defense on top of the tempo and they're they're running I'm not gonna say tricks, but for they're they're not trick plays, but for lack of a better phrasing, they're 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 running tricks off of the motions and, and running different things off of, of of the motion. So I think that's what people are finally starting to realize, Wes, when when you say that is it's not just the tempo. Like A, Tennessee has really great football players on offense, like I talked about earlier. And B, this coaching staff is really, really good at their jobs. And it's not just the tempo as to why they're having success. They are scouting opponents. They are finding weaknesses. And when they do find the weaknesses and the holes in the defense, they are coming up with creative ways to exploit those weaknesses. And then once they get into the game, end of the first quarter, halftime, end of the third quarter, they're making adjustments as well. This this group of coaches is terrific X's and O's. Wise, and I think that's what people are finally starting to realize. I think at some point people are going to take the some. At some point, someone's going to take a linebacker over there on the edge. I mean, and by I mean edge, I mean perimeter, because to break up what they're doing there with with McCoy and with Hyatt, you're almost going to have to pick one and jam the hell out of them at the line of scrimmage, because if you, you know, the second that a safety starts doing what he should do, which is go shade heavily over to Hyatt and take away that vertical. You're going to have a corner one on one in a lot of space on a slant against Brew McCoy. And well, Kentucky I, and I, did and, some of that, and I know exactly who I'm picking in that matchup. That's McCoy almost every time, unless the ball is really bad. So that that concept, you're putting two 
incredibly good future NFL wide receivers out there with a million miles away from the quarterback, and you're forcing people to either take a lot of attention over there and break up that, or give up five or six yards per carry without question. Because if you and if you do both of those things, by the way, Cedric Tillman's on the other freaking side now. You know who's one of the best receivers in college football, and and who knows what Princeton fans going to be doing. And even if you scheme it perfectly, Hendon Hooker can make you look silly and run for twenty yards. It's just it's really really hard to stop what they're doing. Yeah, I, I I do think the tempo plays into it, though. It's obviously not just that, but I, part of the problem that these teams are having to make these decisions on the fly, and that's why you, that's why it's impossible for teams to go an entire game without having a play where Jalen Hyatt just gets lost because you're having to make these decisions, and the communication eventually breaks down, and, it, and it's more likely to happen when Tennessee can go fast. So obviously, the yeah, the tempo bends right is definitely not the only reason uh, so this stuff is just well designed, and, and as we've talked about before, Tennessee is is doing different things, uh, adding new wrinkles, and, and showing additional layers to to what they've shown before uh, that that are complicating things for teams uh, in, in defending this stuff. But yeah, what, what, when you add the tempo to that, it's just that that's what makes Tennessee so tough to shut down. Even if Georgia has some luck slowing down Tennessee on Saturday, I, I don't think we're going to see a game from Tennessee like we saw last year when these two teams faced each other. You know, it's Tennessee scoring, what, 17 points in that game? I'll be shocked if we see that kind of just thorough beat down of this offense because they're, they're, they just have so many answers now to how teams defend them. Hendon Hooker has such a deep understanding of this offense now and what they want to do and all their different answers for what defenses are showing them. So I just think – I, you know, I think there's a reason we're starting to see talk now. And I, I, I sort of shied away from this when I first saw it. But when we saw people talking about, is this Tennessee team uh, uh, kind of the new 2019 LSU? And I was like, come on, that LSU team. Now, obviously, it's not a great comparison in a lot of ways because that 2019 LSU team had so many future first-rounders and early-round draft picks on it. I'm not sure this Tennessee team can, can, can stack up to that. We're going to be talking about those LSU it players. It for- can't on defense, especially. Yeah, talent-wise, that LSU team was just on another level. But offensively, and when you look at the numbers, even defensively, it's starting to stack up pretty well. There's some there's some logic to that comparison because it it it's similar to that LSU offense, and and it's in the sense that just good luck trying to keep them down for four quarters. I just don't know that anyone can do that to the level they're they're going to need to. It's going to take a team beating them uh, that that's capable of scoring probably 40 plus points and it's going to have to be a team that can that can hold them down just enough on offense to outscore them but I'll be shocked if anyone just dismantles them uh the way Georgia kind of did last year against Tennessee just methodically thoroughly beating them and pulling away in the second half with depth this team's got enough depth now to to counter something like that as they showed against Alabama and they've they've just taken it to another level offensively and the defense which we, we probably weren't talking about enough before Saturday, honestly. The numbers were already vastly improved on third downs and in a lot of other areas before Saturday. But as Saturday showed, this defense is noticeably better this year. And, and, and obviously scoring or allowing only six points to Kentucky is, is going to draw a lot more attention to that. But, but even some of the underlying numbers, even when they were giving up 33 to Florida and when they were giving up 49 to Alabama, the, the, the numbers within those points they were allowing were improved. They were much better on third downs than they were a year ago when they were just trash on third downs. Let's face it, 
I mean, this is a better defense now. When you combine that with that offense, they're just going to be hard to beat. If they lose the game, it's probably going to have to be a close one because I don't think a team can just take them apart the way you could this team last year. I can think of only two ways, and they're both possible, but but the only two ways I see that anyone is going to beat this Tennessee football team, and I mean, I mean when I say anyone, I mean anyone. There are two ways you can do it. One, you absolutely destroy them on the line of scrimmage. That's number one. If you can do that, you can change it. You can change the entire game at the snap of a finger. That's number one. Number two, Hendon Hooker has a bad day. Those are the two ways that I can see that you beat this Tennessee football team. If you can do either one of those things, I think you can beat Tennessee. If you can't do either one of those things, I don't know how you beat them. Yes, you, you win and lose games uh, on the line of scrimmage in, in the trenches, and we talked about it a couple of weeks ago, that that is the difference between uh, a Tennessee team that I thought preseason was going to win seven, eight games and a Tennessee team that is probably at worst going to finish the, the regular season 11-1. and one. <laughs> the, the, the difference is the line of scrimmage and how the offensive line is playing, uh, how the defensive line is playing. Rodney Garner has just been such a, a marvelous hire for Josh Heupel. Uh, and it, it has worked out so well because Rodney Garner has sprinkled his pixie dust on, on that unit, and they are playing awesome football right now. And, and Glenn Ellerby, uh, uh, an unknown hire at the time. No, nobody really knew what to expect, and, and he's been awesome in terms of developing those offensive linemen. And, and I thought Josh Heifel said it well on Monday, getting all five of those guys to play cohesive football and, and playing as one, which is the key to – a successful offensive line. So uh, that that is the difference in last year's Tennessee team and, and this year's Tennessee team. Uh, that That's the difference in seven and eight wins and 11 or 12 wins, uh, quite frankly. And I'm real interested to see how Tennessee's line of scrimmage holds up against Georgia's uh, because Georgia's going to have some big old dudes mm-hmm. on both sides of the ball that, that are going to play in the NFL one day. And at least in the regular season, this is by far their, their their last remaining tough test uh, in the trenches, and and I hesitate because I, I think it's probably um, the best offensive line and, and defensive line that that Tennessee will have faced as well. Obviously, Tennessee has faced good ones to this point in the year, uh, but this will probably be the the biggest test for the offensive line and and the defensive line, and. I, I I can't believe I'm saying it, but I have confidence that Tennessee is going to go out there and win that matchup. Uh, I, I don't think that they're at least going to get bullied in, in in that matchup. I would be very surprised if, if Georgia just dominated Tennessee in the trenches because, A, I think Tennessee has gotten better in the trenches, as, as I just discussed, and, B, Georgia isn't what it was last year in the trenches. They, they are beatable. They, they're really, really good. They're great up front on both sides, but they are beatable. And this Tennessee offensive line has has proven that they can pass the test against any offensive line or defensive line um, this season. So uh, that, to me, is the matchup to circle, and that matchup will dictate who wins this football game. I will say this. I think there is one aspect to this matchup um, that that people are not discussing enough. Um, And, you know, usually with Georgia, it starts with talking about their, their defense um, because that's what, especially last year, that's kind of what separated them. But you know, everybody knows Tennessee leads the country in, in scoring offense and and uh, in total offense right now. Guess who's number two in total offense? Georgia. Yep. They're averaging five hundred 
30 yards per game to Tennessee's 553. So some of that just comes with the way football is played today, no question. It's just a higher offensive output kind of game. Um, if you're a good team, you're probably going to be scoring 40-plus a lot of the time. But Georgia is a well-rounded team that puts up big numbers offensively too. And, and if Tennessee's not sharp defensively, if we see a reversion to the secondary that we saw in a lot of games before last week, that they're going to be in for a dogfight because Georgia is, uh, no pun intended, because Georgia is very capable of, uh, of beating them down the field. And Stetson Bennett, again, we, we touched on him earlier, but he is more than capable of exploiting good matchups and, and hitting open guys and, and just making some really good throws. And so I, I, I think that's one part of this that's probably not talked about enough. I think, I think a lot of people just think Georgia's passing game is okay and their offense is just okay. There's, there are days where that's true. But, but I think it's worth pointing out that this is the number two total offense in the country, and that's, that's not going to be easy for Tennessee to slow down either. No, but I'll end on this thought. Um, this, this will be the best team Tennessee has played so far. It will by far be the best team Georgia has played so far. Um, Tennessee has, yeah. Tennessee's done what it's done against, what, the number three ranked schedule in the country. Georgia's is 18th, which is nothing to sneeze at, but it is what it is. I think we have to you – ha- you have to sometimes – like throw away what you think you thought, like what you knew or what you think you know, and go by just what actually the numbers tell you. And the the numbers say that if Tennessee goes out there and and performs well, it has it has a a, a darn good chance to win this game. It's it's going to come down to to me the the old school thought process of, of winning football games. Uh, it, it's cliche. Uh, I'm sure Kirby Smart and Josh Heupel will, will talk about these points at, at some point this week if they haven't already. It, it's going to come down to who wins in the line of scrimmage, who wins the turnover margin, and who gets on and off the field on third down. Who, who wins third down? Who, who offensively, can Tennessee sustain drives? Josh Heupel said that today. Tennessee's going to have to win the line of scrimmage, and they're going to have to sustain drives. <laughs> I mean, to me, th- this is almost – to me, it, it really falls on those old school cliches because it's a it's an evenly matched up football game. That that's why I kind of view it from from that standpoint. I think both teams that um, they have their potential deficiencies. They also have the things that that they do really well. Tennessee has Hendon Hooker and Cedric Tillman and, and Jalen Hyatt. Uh, Georgia has Brock Bowers and Darnell Washington and, and potentially Ad Mitchell, who I, I'm sure uh, Tennessee is mad at Jeremy Pruitt right now for not making sure that he made it to to, to Knoxville uh, and that you know they're going to have solid backs uh, as well and Georgia's going to be real stout defensively under Kirby Smart so each team is is loaded quite frankly so it's going to come down to those old cliches of, of football winning the winning the trenches winning the turnover margin and if you're on defense, getting off the field on third down, and if you're on offense, sustaining third down or sustaining drives by, by getting third downs and, and Ben, really quickly, I'm glad you said that. You know, we, we haven't had it in depth. Uh, we got the rest of the week to discuss this more in depth. But the stopping the tight ends, I mean, that's the one thing Tennessee's really not faced a lot this year. Um, yeah, no, they, no, they, no they, one they, can no one can guard Bowers. Yeah, and so even teams that are good uh, in coverage at linebacker <laughs> and at safety struggle with defending these guys. Th- those those are two of the positions where Tennessee struggled for a lot of the year, and you're facing probably the best tight end duo in the country. Um, so good, good luck stopping those guys. And what, what does Tennessee do to, to sort of scheme up some way of covering those guys or, or can they scheme up anything uh, to cover them? That's, that's a, 
that's a big challenge for Tennessee this week. I don't know what they're going to do there, and I'm not sure how you go about um, dealing with those guys because they're they're a handful. Even when you feel like you have uh, the right personnel to to cover them and elite athletes there to to cover them, Tennessee's much improved at, at those positions in a lot of ways, especially linebacker compared to a year ago, but. Boy, that's a tall task stopping those guys. It is. It's a tall task for both of these teams, and there's a lot more to discuss this week, and we will do that. We, uh, I'm not positive. We might have to have a Tuesday episode when the when the rankings come out. Where we're definitely going to have our, our Thursday episode. Definitely going to have our uh, pregame episode. Uh, I'm I'm thinking maybe with with Jordan Hill, maybe or for, from the from the Georgia side. We we will see, but uh, we 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 will get that done. We will get all of it to you. But uh, for now, uh, we got some more writing and some other stuff we gots to do. So. I'm going to go ahead, and unless y'all got anything else, I think we're good. Thanks, Wes. Appreciate it. There's that button. And now I can say thank you for listening to this edition of the Go Vols 24-7 podcast. Guys, thank you. Thank you for listening. We always say that, but we always mean it. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening. You can find all of us on social media. I'm Wes Rucker 24-7 on Twitter. Grant Ramey is Grant Ramey on Twitter. Patrick Brown is P. Brown 24-7 on Twitter. Ryan Callahan is Ryan Callahan 24-7 on Twitter. And Ben McKee is Ben McKee 14 on Twitter. You can also go uh, to twitter.com slash govals247 and facebook.com slash govals247 to get all of the stuff there or most of the stuff there. We got stuff on there that we update throughout the day, all day, every day. Tons of stuff on there. All good stuff. But if you want that best, most delicious, that sparkling, delicious, crystal clear East Tennessee Smoky Mountain Spring Water right from the tap. Go directly to GoVols247.com, the best site on all of Al Gore's internets to get coverage of Tennessee football, football recruiting, basketball, basketball recruiting, Tennessee baseball coverage. We cover Tennessee baseball better than anybody out there. We got that for you. We got Lady Vols coverage with award-winning Maria Cornelius, who covers all things Lady Vols for us. You also get administration news. Basically, anytime anything happens over there at the University of Tennessee, we bring it to you at GoVols247.com. We also have two forums that run around the clock, the Checkerboard and the Summit, where you can go and discuss uh, anything you want that is not political or religious in nature, 24 hours a day, seven days a week, and we will be there to discuss it with you. Just about one of us is up just about all the time, at least, so you can go in there and do that. And you can get all of that for less than the price of one mediocre lunch per month, and that's after a free trial, and that's always. A lot of times we have better deals than that, but at least we have the seven-day free trial, and then you can start paying us. And when you start paying us, again, which is less than the price of one mediocre lunch per month, if you do that, you get access in perpetuity to Paramount Plus, which is the streaming arm of CBS, Viacom, Paramount, all of it. Get all of it right there. And it's, I mean, you got stuff, brand new movies, exclusive movies, exclusive shows. You get stuff from the vaults of uh, Smithsonian, Nickelodeon, MTV, BET, Comedy Central, all of it. And obviously everything CBS has ever done commercial free. That's a $100 plus annual value that we'll put in your pocket for nothing. For nothing. So we're giving you several hundred dollars worth of stuff for less than 100 bucks a year. Guys, that is an unbelievable deal. So please, this is a great time. Go take advantage of that now. Uh, if you haven't heard from us uh, from a couple days, there's been a problem. We should be back here uh, in, in a couple days or so. You'll hear from us very, very shortly. Until then, guys, be good to each other. Be decent to each other. Please, there's not nearly enough of that in our world anymore. God, we are so mean to each other. 
Have some basic human empathy. Allow people their dignity. Try to be kind. Be good to each other. Until then, be good, guys. See you. Where's Wes at? I, I, he already put my comments out there, so <laughs> he, he had direct quotes. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.